Hey everybody, welcome to SC with DA. My name is David Asherick. I'm the DA part of SC with DA. The SC part is this book right here that we are reading through, Steps to Christ. So welcome. We are in session, let's see, we're on chapter eight today. The work in the life, which is chapter eight or nine, which is it? Chapter nine. So session 10, chapter nine. Welcome everybody. Let me say a quick hi to people signing in on Instagram. Hello, Victor. Hello, Quiltbug. Tennessee Quiltbug, I guess that must be. Hello, Becca. Hello, Sassy Cassie. Hello, Life of Dr. J. Hello, Jim. Hello, Josh. My man, Josh. Brother. I'll be in Australia soon, and I can't wait to see you and your beautiful family. Hello, Gabby Abby. Hello, Kendra. Hello, Nate Cranson. Hello, Kama Anderson. Hello, Lori. Hello, Dell1220. Aw, oh, Josh says he misses me. I miss you too. Hello, Hannah and Johnny and Shmuel and family. All right, welcome everybody. So glad you're here. We have a special guest tonight, so I'm going to be very, very short on the announcements. Uh, very quickly, all of the Steps to Christ's that we talked about are now claimed. They are, they are gone. So praise the Lord for all of the people that got, I mean, I think we're at something like 150 or 200 free steps to Christ that we've given out and not just any ordinary sort of newspaper print quality, but these really nice sharing copies from Types and Symbols. So thank you to the donors that made that possible. And thank you to Types and Symbols for partnering with such great people that can make that happen. So that was announcement number one. Announcement number two, of course, is if you want to get your hands on a shirt, you're running out of days to do that. Today is Tuesday, I think. I'm embarrassed. I don't even know. I think today's Tuesday. And uh, we're done on Saturday. So the, the last chapter, chapter 13, is Saturday. I can't believe it. It's all going. I mean, we've done Desire of Ages and we've done, we've done Patriarchs and Prophets. These are long books. And the challenges take like 90 to 100 days, where this challenge is like two weeks. So it feels like we're just getting going and we're hitting our stride. And there's only 13 chapters in this book and we're already on chapter nine tonight. So it's going to be over quick. Woo! But we'll be back, God willing, later this year to do Prophets and Kings, which I can't wait. That's 60 chapters, and we'll be back to finish up OT with DA. We'll have more information on that in the future. So without further ado, I'd like to see if anybody can guess who our guest is tonight. And uh, as soon as somebody guesses it right, I'll invite this person out. They're just right here off camera. So no hints, and we'll see if anybody can guess who it might be. Somebody says, I'm enjoying it so much. Five Carson's 05 says, make the last day Sunday. Yeah, maybe we'll do like a something on Sunday. It'll be Sunday or Saturday. That's a good idea. Um, somebody says Nathan. Somebody says Jamie. Somebody says Nate. A lot of people saying Nathan. Okay, if you said Nathan, you are correct. Come on out here, Nathan. Come join the party. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Nathan Cranson our beloved participant from both OT with DA and DA with DA. I'm going to move this light here really quick. Sure, sounds good, everybody. Good to be back. So, Nathan, remember, all. up there we're talking to YouTube, and over there we're talking to Instagram. Yeah, Nathan. So there's there's a couple of different Nathans, right? So well, yeah, Nathan I wondered when Renner, people were yeah. guessing, like, are they guessing Nathan Renner? I'm not sure. Are either. they guessing Nathan Cranson? But the probabilities are in your favor to guess <laughs> Nathan. Exactly. <laughs> I'm still trying to fix this light. Yeah, good to be Okay, I think we're good. Get it? All right. Um, Nathan, here you are. 
It's good to be back, David. In the flesh. <clears throat> Absolutely. You you got here just yeah. a little bit ago. You ate a meal. I'm sorry, I'm still fixing it. Yeah, an amazing meal. Really good uh, French fries or like baked, potatoes. Violetta made like a uh, russet potatoes, we call yeah. them. And awesome, salad? Salad was good. Lentil soup. Yeah, I feel well nourished. Did you have any? You had lentil soup? I did. It's good. Yeah, very good. And you actually live, we're in Colorado right now, for those of you that don't know. And I live on what they call the Front Range, which is over here on the sort of Denver side of the Rockies. Nathan lives on the other side of the Rockies about, what, five hours away, six hours away? Yeah, it's about six hours. So Montrose, Colorado, other side of the Rocky Mountains. And uh, yeah, just here. And they call that the Western Slope. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a really beautiful area of Colorado. So you've been over here for like a coaching? What are you doing here? Yeah, so the conference has uh, several of us pastors giving uh, life coaching training, mm. which has been really powerful and really, yeah, super stoked about. And uh, so, yeah, a handful of us are going through that training. I'm here for a couple of days, and it just happened to be when you were this lined up perfectly. Your, so, your just a quick question about that life coaching. What what are they talking about? Like how to yeah, life coaching. So that, how to balance your checkbook? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, it could right. <laughs> the uh, I guess you would distinguish life coaching from therapy, and that therapy is more trying to deal with the pathologies. Okay, so gotcha. Trying to kind of bring healing and, yeah. and be kind of uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, healing of, of pathology. Gotcha. Whereas life coaching is more kind of along the idea of uh, rooting you on to accomplish goals. So it's okay, more, gotcha. more growth oriented rather than healing, healing oriented. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Providing structure and systems and okay, accountability very good. and yeah. And it was a couple days, two, three days. Yeah. So this is the second session. We've we're gonna have three sessions total. Uh, each one of the sessions being two days long. And it's been productive. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Okay, it's good. It's in my wheelhouse. Um, Nathan, somebody on there, Gabby Abby, just a moment ago, I saw her and she was asking, can you just slide that very slightly so sure. toward you? Just like that. Uh, she was saying, how's the baby? You have a oh, one-year-old little baby named Rodney. Yep. Yeah, give us the update. What's happening in Rodney's life? Rodney, yeah, just turned one uh, December 28th. We had a big party for him. He is incredibly cute. Too cute. <laughs> <laughs> And he, uh, he just has taken, yeah, let's see, what was it? The, the 5th of January, he took his first steps. Oh, you're so, a good dad. You even know the date of the first steps. That's right. That's that's a good sign. It was a cool moment because I had a lot of family over, uh, even over to stay the night. Uh, my brother from North Carolina, Webb, and his family. Okay. That we're all hanging out in the living room. I thought, well, let's just try. Let's so give it a crack. Put, yeah, he took his first steps with an, uh, an with audience. an audience. Yeah. So he's he's not good. afraid of the moment. He came in clutch, not <laughs> yes. afraid of the big moment, not afraid of the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, so Rodney and your beautiful wife Michelle, she's yeah. back home. You said they've been a little sick, huh? Yeah. A little so Rodney's cold or first something. Fever. Rodney's first cough, and then uh, yeah, Michelle's been quite under the weather. Okay. As well. We've been sharing our. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the great things about marriage. You can share illnesses and you can compare like, oh, when I had that sickness, I had a sore throat, but no night no night sweats. Oh, you had the night sweats, but right. I, it's fun. It's fun to... So this was funny in that uh, Michelle and Rodney started with a fever. I started with a cough. Okay, here we go. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. Right? Halfway through the week, she or I, I took on a fever and she started to cough. And so I, I'm not sure if we had two different bugs and just traded halfway through the week or, or what, but... It didn't make for a very fun. The day. joys of married life, <laughs> the joys of having children. So you've got one child, and is the plan to have 
Five or six more, or are you going to stop with one? Yeah, so I was impressed. My wife, uh, I guess, had uh, the amnesia had set in well enough. That she, uh, <laughs> That's she a great way to say it. About, she started talking about her second, so I'm excited about that. Looking like next fall. I probably shouldn't be announcing this like, in front of thousands of people, but um, anyways. Well, anyway, so Potentially. I, I won't make you say any more about that. Nathan, we are so glad that you were here. For those of you that have not been with us before, Nathan was with us in OT with DA, DA with DA. Um, Nathan, the sketch of your life is you're a pastor right now, but you've been a missionary in the past. Mm -hmm. Today, it's really amazing that you showed up today in chapter nine, which is what, the work and the life? Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. The chapter title. And she talks about mission work and even being a missionary in what she calls heathen lands or, you know, faraway places. And you've done some of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I spent a year in China. I spent some time in India, Brazil, Argentina, and, and a smattering of, of other countries mm. doing missionary work. So yeah. You have a real burden and, for that. Near and dear to my heart. Okay. Well, it's perfect absolutely. that you're here on this day. Um, welcome, everybody. We are going to get into chapter nine. Let, let me just share real quick, too. Another, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Another cool thing, right? So David Asherick said he had an extra copy of yep. the Steps to Christ with the, uh, you know, signs, uh, signs types and symbols. Types and, symbols. Yep. and uh, so he's like, hey, let me grab you a copy. So he hands me this, this copy. And the, on the front here, I don't know if you can see, but it, it's the first paragraph <laughs> of the chapter that we're going through. So It's so, a sign. <laughs> I'm totally stoked. It's a sign. And, and I'll I, remember this. This is the chapter I went through. I'm telling you, Nathan, I think it's providential that you're here because I know that this idea of being just an order. This is one of the things I think is going to come up today. Just being a missionary in the ordinary day-to-day, -day, just the duties of life. I know that's a passion of yours, but I also know that being a missionary in the far-flung areas of the world is also a passion of yours. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward. We've not talked at all about the chapter. Mm -mm. So I'm very much looking forward to what you have to bring. Yeah, so Nathan, why don't you start us with prayer and we'll okay. get right into this. Wonderful. Uh, gracious Father, what a blessing to be gathered again here, uh, gathered uh, together, uh, David and I here, but uh, virtually surrounded mm. by, by hundreds that have uh, tuned in and who knows uh, how many hundreds or thousands maybe maybe later. So that's right. Uh, we speak we speak into your providence. We speak into your uh, your work, mm -hmm. and uh, we just ask for the Spirit of God to yeah. guide our lips and to enlighten our minds and to transform our hearts. That it wouldn't be mere talk, but that something mm. would click in us. Something would shift yeah. into uh, a gear that you have been working us towards. That we can uh, go a little smooth, uh, smoother along the way towards mm. towards grace and towards heaven. And may we bring many with us. We're, we're grateful for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. So Nathan and I have a lot of things in common. Nathan, you came to the first Arise class. Is that right? The very first. The very exactly first right. back in 2003. Also, Nathan's an avid rock climber. In fact, just before we turned the cameras on, we were. Nathan has a slight little finger injury that sometimes happen to climbers. happens to climbers called an A2 pulley injury. So we were going over some of that. So we, yeah. we have a lot in common. We love Jesus. We love family life. We love the word. We love climbing. We got a lot in common. Yeah. I, and so, Nathan, a big shout out to you. Thank you so much for coming. I'm going to start, Nathan, by just reading here probably the first two paragraphs, and then we'll just be off to the races. I'll kind of set a pace. If I run ahead too far, you bring me back and okay. vice versa. Sounds great. Okay. So it says uh, page 10477 of the original, if you've got that. God is the source of life and light and joy. 
to the universe. Like rays of light from the sun, like streams of water bursting from a living spring, blessings flow out from him to all his creatures. And wherever the life of God is in the hearts of men, it will flow out to others in love and blessing. Great stuff. Let's read another paragraph. Our Savior's joy was in uplifting the uplifting and redemption of fallen men. For this he counted not his life dear to himself, but endured the cross, despising the shame. So angels are ever engaged in the in working for the happiness of others. This is their joy. That which selfish hearts would regard as humiliating service, ministering to those who are wretched and in every way inferior in character and rank, is the work of sinless angels. The spirit of Christ's self-sacrificing love is the spirit that pervades heaven, and it is the very essence of its bliss. This is the spirit that Christ's followers will possess, the work that they will do. Great stuff. Oh, that's so, so we're off to the races here, and the chapter, of course, is titled The Work and the Life. And so unsurprisingly, she starts off by talking about labor, right? Work, like mm-hmm. what was Christ's work and what are the angels' work and what and where she's going to go is what's our work. Mm-hmm. So Nathan, anything in those first two paragraphs that just kind of leapt out to you and you were like, ooh, I like that, or do you want to carry so, on? So yeah, I mean, that first paragraph is absolutely powerful. I think I'll, I'll save some of the things I, I would share with that, but uh, okay. just a little uh, tuck it in there. We've already covered... My word. I don't know if we've already gone over your word for the chapter, but oh, you're already mine, <laughs> mine has already showed up okay, like a yep. few times. Okay, and uh, and yeah, that that second paragraph. Let's see. So I I had a little kind of a correlation moment there that I wanted to to bring out. Okay. So uh, let's make sure we're on the right one there. Yeah. Okay. So when it's talking about the, that which selfish hearts would re, uh, selfish hearts would regard as humiliating service, mm. ministering to those who are wretched and in every way inferior in character, and it goes on, um, is talking about you know that this is the the spirit of uh, okay that next sentence right the spirit of Christ's self sacrificing love beautiful is the spirit that pervades heaven, and is the very essence of its bliss. Mm. And I was just hearkening back, right? What chapter is it in? I'm on page 17 of Steps to Christ. Okay, way back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's in the second chapter. Okay. It says, heaven would be to him a place of torture, speaking of the the lost. That's the chapter, the sinner's need of Christ. Mm -hmm. Yep. He would long to be hidden from him, who is its light and the center of its joy. It is by no arbitrary decree on the part of God that excludes the wicked from heaven. They are shut out by their unfitness for its companionship. Mm-hmm. The glory of God would be to them a consuming fire. They would welcome destruction that they might be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem them. Mm. That's I, one of the most powerful sections in the whole book, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, no, just a, a beautiful, and I, I guess to me it fills out a little bit more the, the context that I think she's referencing there in that the spirit, so the essence of the bliss of heaven mm. is serving others. And, self-sacrificing and love. Especially those that cannot return the favor, right? Mm. That self-sacrificing love is the very essence of the joy and bliss of heaven. And so if your your heart is still unconverted, if your heart is still selfish, then that's misery. Like, can you imagine? Great point. You Somebody invites you to go on this, this awesome vacation time and mm. you, you take your, your special vacation days you said all the things, right? You pay hundreds, thousands of dollars to fly around the world yeah. and you show up and it's like an orphanage and there's right. diseased kids that are squawking. And you're like, what? Where's the volleyball nets? Right, where's exactly. the, where's the, you know, where's uh, the snorkeling? Where's the surfboards? The, what are we doing here? 
Exactly. And and so I think that's what heaven would be like to the unconverted heart. It's like showing up ready for the party, ready for the vacation. Mm. And the vacation is service, serving one another. Yeah. Now, that's great stuff. And one of the things that really leapt out to me in those first two paragraphs is how mm. this is a chapter on work. It's a chapter on labor. It's it's and you would think that the sort of emotional connection to that topic would be duty, responsibility. Yeah. But where does she where does she start? Joy. Exactly. I mean, she just and she uses yep. the very first sentence. God is the source of life, light, and joy. The very first sentence of the next paragraph, our Savior's joy. Yep. Jumping down to the next bit, she uses the word happiness. So angels are ever engaged in working for the happiness of others. This is their joy. And then she, as if joy, 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 happiness isn't enough, she goes to that. That word that bliss. you've already mentioned, bliss. Yeah. So I just love this like juxtaposition here where, oh, we're going to be talking about labor. We're going to be talking about service. We're going to be talking about responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the emotional place that we start from, she's joy, 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 bliss, happiness. Yes. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I, I started, I highlighted right on my my phone that exact same thing. You did. just joy. And you'll see it's pervasive. I, exactly. I was, I was tempted to make that my word, right? That joy, because it's... I wondered if it was, because so... you said we'd already read it. <laughs> it isn't, but yeah, it's a great word, and it's so pervasive throughout this chapter. Okay, so now if you look at the third chapter there, it begins when the love of Christ is enshrined in the heart, mm. and wow, do I like that. Mm-hmm. Because just look at that. When the love of Christ is enshrined in the heart, now go back to the very first paragraph, wherever the life of God is in the hearts of men. So this is fascinating. Mm. Two times in three paragraphs, she's talking about this idea that God's love inhabits us. God's love indwells us. Mm. And I particularly appreciate the use of that word enshrined there, right? Because Mm. a shrine is a holy place. It's something, I mean, you've been in a lot of lands where -hmm. where in various religions and cultures, they will set up shrines to local deities or gods. And what we want is the love of God enshrined in our heart. I'm going to keep reading. Like a sweet fragrance, it cannot be hidden. I'm going to come back to that phrase in a minute. Its holy influence will be felt by all with whom we come in contact. The Spirit of Christ in the heart is like a spring in the desert, flowing to refresh refresh all and making those who are ready to perish eager to drink of the water of life. So when I was in Australia, this is actually quite fascinating. There was a ministry there, and I don't know if it's still running or not, but the name of the ministry, Nathan, was cannot be hidden, wow. which I thought was really cool because yeah. I was familiar with this passage from Steps to Christ, Beautiful. and it was like a service ministry, mm-hmm. a training ministry, a, a really cool little ministry, and they their, their sort of logo, as I recall, was CBH, and I remember asking and saying, what is this ministry? They run this mm-hmm. ministry called CBH, and somebody said, oh, it ca- cannot be hidden. <laughs> nice. And I, what a great yeah. name for a ministry, and not just for a ministry in some mm-hmm. sort of formal mm-hmm. sense. But the point she's making here is when the love of Christ is enshrined in our heart and when we have committed ourselves to him, the love of God will shine out of us in such a way that it could not be hidden. It's there. And and you'll see right as we go through these next paragraphs that that really becomes the, and it really alludes to to my word too, but it's it's this idea that... uh, it's over like an overwhelming desire that it's, mm. it's impulsive. It's uh, it's very much 
uh, it, it's not contrived or derived. It's not artificial. It, it, it's not artificial. It's not coerced or forced. Oh. It is something that is just uh, can't be helped. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you just said that it's it's not artificial. And, because if you look at the language mm -hmm. that she's using, this just jumped out to me. Mm -hmm. Go back to paragraph one. Rays from the sun. Streams of water from a living spring exactly right. flow out. Yep. Uh, back to the paragraph we just read. A sweet fragrance, a spring in the desert mm -hmm. flowing out. All of this is the language of nature. Yeah. And it's the it's the language of if the sun is shining, there are rays. Yep. If the spring is bubbling, there are, you know, water flows down into the valleys and streams below. So I like your language there. Can't be helped. Exactly. It, it, it is. Yeah. It this flows. is what's going to... It's like we talked about yesterday... For those of you that were with us yesterday, my word was abide, and the idea is, mm. is that if we stay in the right orientation, yeah. if we just stay there, then God does his thing. God saves, God redeems, God blesses, mm. and when we remain in that position in connection with Christ, without me you can do nothing, another consequence of that, another result of that is a life, a transformed life of selfless service, mm -hmm. and that our happiness starts to take on less and less selfish pursuits and selfish impulses and becomes more and more like the happiness that God has or that Jesus had, which was the happiness and joy of service. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Very cool. You, you've done a powerful job of drawing that out of these chapters mm. too. You know, the, the yielding, the mm. relaxing into the... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, that's, I think that's such an important part of the... If, if you look at that next paragraph there, Nathan... Love to Jesus will be manifested. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. It's a consequence. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Love to Jesus will be manifested in a desire to work as he worked for the blessing and uplifting of humanity. It will lead to, there it is, exactly. love, tenderness, and sympathy toward all the creatures of our Heavenly Father's care. I actually highlighted that in pink. When I highlight something in pink, for me, mm. in this book, that means, that really captures the whole chapter. Nice. That, that's the whole chapter I there. Agree. That A love to Jesus manifests itself mm -hmm. in the desire to work like he worked and live like he lived for the blessing and upbuilding of humanity. You like that? I, I do. I, I think that does capture the essence of this chapter. Okay. Um, you got anything else there? Or can I carry on? Carry on. The Savior's life on earth was not a life of ease and devotion to himself, but he toiled with persistent, earnest, untiring effort for the salvation of lost mankind. From the manger to Calvary, he followed the path of self-denial and sought not to be released from arduous tasks, arduous tasks, painful travels, and exhausting care and labor. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, mm -hmm. and to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew 20, 28. This was the great object of his life. Everything else was secondary and subservient. It was his meat and drink to do the will of God and to finish his work. Self and self-interest had no part in his labor. Beautiful. Absolutely powerful. That that last section to me Go. Is, is so powerful. This this was the one great object of his life. Yeah. Everything else was mm -hmm. secondary and subservient, which is really powerful. I mean, when you when you think about it, that that was the essence. It, so it's the essence of heaven. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of heaven's bliss, and it was the very central driving force of Jesus's ministry that he lived yes. for this. And yes. this is where he derived his joy. This is where you know, I love that scene with, uh, by the the well. You know, the the woman mm. at the well, where he's he's no longer physically hungry because he has been so deeply satisfied by blessing this woman who has been outcast in in every way. 
that that really is what spoke to his heart and fed his soul fed him. like nothing else. Yeah, so when he says to the disciples that I have meat, I got food that you don't even know yeah. about, they're completely nonplussed. They're like, what? Did somebody totally. bring him a sandwich? Totally. No, he, this is a great, that's a great text to bring to bear there. Yeah. And I want to highlight that when she quotes Matthew 20, 28, as you know, Jesus saying the Son of Man did not come to serve but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we hear that, to give his life as a ransom for many, I think many of us reflexively go to his sacrificial death. We go straight mm -hmm. to Calvary. We go straight to the wow. scenes in and around his death. But, but I think there's more on offer here, that Jesus' whole life, not just the, the closing days of his life, mm -hmm. his whole life was given to humanity, mm -hmm. given in service, given in example, given in teaching, given wow. in tireless labor. That's what's meant there. Yes, there is certainly a very specific sense in which he literally gave his life on Calvary's cross, yes, mm -hmm. but he gave his life in a more full-throated and holistic sense. Everything he did wow. was the giving of himself, wow. right? He gave in teaching. Right. He gave in, when he had to walk from town to town, city to city, village to village, he was giving himself mm -hmm. to people who largely, and she's actually going to make this point, didn't even know. Yeah, I love I love that part too. And of course, we'll, we'll touch on it later, but that uh, those first 30 years of his life, yes. he was doing the same thing, but in, in obscurity, which is yes. can be even more uh, or less glorious, right? Oh, you know, dude. Less rewarding because you're doing it, but you're doing it Yes, quietly. and yes, and yes to that. Years ago, it's funny the things that stick with you, and I think I've already mentioned this in one of the reading challenges before, but I'm going to say it again. It's so funny the things that stick with you. Years ago, mm. I was in the, the mountain shop there in Yosemite, valley and you know buying some groceries and things because we were there on a rock climbing trip and there was a little tip jar that you could put some money in the tip jar and it just said this kindness is kindest when it's anonymous wow kindness is kindest when it's, in other words wow. when you don't get any yep. accolades that the, the yep. library's not named after you you don't not right. everybody says oh nathan cranson gave a thousand dollars or nathan cranson gave yep. and this is what's interesting about jesus life she actually makes wow. the point that the first 30-ish years of his life was lived in obscurity, as you said, or mm. anonymity. Yeah. And in those 30 years, he was giving himself no less, yep. but to no fame, to no accolades. I mean, there's no really canonical record of it except a few little glimpses. But he was no... I can't wait to watch so the movies of Jesus' first 30 years in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I, totally. I, I can't wait to see what were those interactions like. Mm -hmm. Because the interactions that we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the last three years of his life are amazing. Well, what about those first 27 years, first 28 years? I can't wait to see what that looked like because it was more, as you say, in obscurity or in anonymity. And that makes God all the more amazing and beautiful because, because when even when the spotlight of Scripture wasn't on him, even when he wasn't announcing himself as the Messiah, when he's just toiling away in the carpenter shop, mm -hmm. he's still God. He's acting like God. He's behaving like God. He's giving himself like God, yeah. but with no shine, no spotlight. What a thought. It's, it's so, God it's obscure. So <laughs> yes. What? Which, okay, so the, what, what I love about that is that it shows that the joy he derived from it was internal, not external. Oh, hallelujah. Come Thank on. you. And how, how different is yeah. that to our modern culture yes. where everything we do, we have to announce on social media. Hey, look, I oh did a thing. Word, so I did true. something. Everybody <laughs> pay attention to me. And that's the thought. new world we live in. Yeah. But, but 
But Jesus was doing things yeah. that we have no canonical record of. But the things that he was doing were no less amazing, no less selfless, no less service-oriented than all the things that he did when the spotlight was on him. Amazing. Yeah. I've literally yeah. never had, I've, I've yeah. known that, but I've never said it like we're saying it right now yeah. in my whole life. I, I agree. I, ah, love, I love that. It. I love it. So good. And I, I, and as we're going to see a little bit later on here is that, you know, the desire, the the fulfillment of living a selfless life, of when your heart is actuated by love. Yeah, come on. Then in giving, you experience the greatest bliss. And mm. so so it shows that that really was an internal, he, he was blissed out even as he was giving his sandwich uh, skipping a meal, right? Giving his his meal to the the person, the woman at the well. You know, before, right? Okay, I'm, gotcha, I'm talking, gotcha. Uh, I think Ellen White, you know, re re references that in, in Desire. Oh, okay, I misunderstood you. Gotcha. Yeah, I was yeah. putting two things together. In other words, what, you're saying talked about, you know, he would he would give his lunch or or whatever. Exactly. And uh, would would sing a song to encourage a soul. And when like when he was doing that, it wasn't like this. Uh, There's my Sanders, and I'm going to starve. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, I can't believe you've raised that because one of the things that jumped out to me, and I underlined all of these instances, and they'll come up again, but oh, good. already here on the first two pages, how often she references selfish or selfless. Mm. So listen to this. Uh, I'm back on page 104, 77 of the original. That which selfish hearts would regard Top of the next page, the spirit of Christ's self-sacrificing love. Mm. Two paragraphs down. Um, his life was not a life of ease and devotion to himself. A couple sentences later, from the manger to Calvary, he followed the path of self-denial. Very last sentence on that page. Mm -hmm. Self and self-interest had no part in his labor. Okay, so clearly nice. she's making the point here yeah. that the service was not selfish. It was not self-directed or mm -hmm. self-interested. It was mm -hmm. always projected out to others. And I just want to make this point again, that... That was true when the spotlight was on him and when it wasn't. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, that's so powerful. Okay, so I had an epiphany just a couple of weeks ago uh, preaching a sermon. Uh, and the it, it has to do with this. So it tell, dovetails really well with this. To realize that um, the question of, okay, the gospel. Let's see if I can gather my thoughts real quick. Okay, do it. So righteousness. Uh the gospel is not a question of righteousness versus unrighteousness. Okay. And let me explain. Uh, the Pharisees were very much invested in being righteous. Okay. It, uh, so the question isn't whether or not we are doing righteous deeds or not doing righteous deeds. Okay. Because uh, the, the selfish heart, as she brings out in one of these chapters here, right? The selfish heart can... Can do, do right things yeah. for selfish motives. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And, well, that was, I, we talked about that when Ty was here. Exactly. And so the, so it's not a question of, am I doing right things? In other words, am I performing right actions or am I being righteous? That's mm. not what de determines whether or not you are a child of God or whether you've been converted. The question rather is, am I in love with Jesus? There right? we go. <laughs> is the question rather, and what, what I was really uh, focusing on is, yeah, what is the, the the power that is actuating that? And am I completely yielded to the work of God? So no, mm. lo no longer am I doing. So if you contrast Jesus's life with the with the Pharisees' life, you'll see that Jesus did righteousness even when it made him look bad. Mm. So he would uh, eat with the tax collectors and sinners. He was called a wine bibber and a, and a, and a yeah, yep. his reputation 
was destroyed by doing by being obedient to the, the leading of his father. That's he fascinating. Said, Surely I do nothing except for what the father leads me yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. So his will was completely yielded to the to his father. He was so much in love and so much in obedience and in, in lockstep with his father that that was the only thing was, does my father want me to do this? Not, how's this going to make me look? Yeah, how's this gonna... you're and on so, to it. And so really, if we're trying to kind of evaluate our Christian walk, if our question, and especially because there is many times that God prompts us to do something that is humiliating for the flesh, mm. you know, to to go and ask for forgiveness, to to do something for for somebody out of the blue, it seems, uh, uh, you know, out of the blue, that um, that we would uh, recoil from that kind of thing, mm-hmm. thinking, well, you know, I'll do a righteous act when it looks better, when I make sure, yeah, when or I something that we think is beneath us. When I can like, guarantee that I'm going to come out on top doing that righteousness, that is not the righteousness of Christ. That isn't true obedience. That's actually you're still self-governed doing right actions. Nathan, I love the, everything you're saying there. I've been preaching uh, several sermons, kind of two or three different sermons with variations on them about Jesus' relationship to tax collectors. Okay. And particularly Levi Matthew and... I've just been thinking a lot because Jesus' relationship to tax collectors is a particularly illuminating relationship in the New Testament because the tax collectors were so hated. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not going to you know review sure. that whole sermon here, except to say that one of the things that Ellen White says in The Desire of Ages is that when Jesus called Levi Matthew, he knew mm. that this was, by all external observation, a miscalculation. He, he knew how this would be read and understood by his contemporaries including but not limited to his own disciples. And here's the point. He did it anyway. Beautiful. In other words, he was not motivated by a, you know, some PR campaign. He wasn't you know, nope. sticking his finger into the wind to exactly. see where the sort of political or social currents are moving. Nope. He did what was right because it was the right thing. Nope. Consequences be damned. And yes. that's because the righteousness, yes. to get back to, to you, mm-hmm. that he's looking for is the approval of God. It's mm-hmm. the it's the love of God. It's not the approval of human beings. Yep. And Lord, help us on that same pathway. Lord, help us. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, well said, David. Okay, so let's go to the next page. We're on page 106 here. Uh, that's paragraph. 79. Say again? It's a longer paragraph. It's a longer paragraph. Yeah. And I'll just read, maybe not all of it, but part of it. So those who are partakers of the grace of Christ will be ready to make any sacrifice that others... Uh, for whom he died, may share the heavenly gift. They will do all they can to make the world better for their stay in it. Well, I really like that. Amen. This spirit is the sure outgrowth of a truly, of a soul truly converted. And then she goes on to say, No sooner does one come to Christ than there is born in the heart a desire to make known to others what a precious friend he has found in Jesus. And then she kind of uses in the next sentence this language of, this cannot be shut up in the heart, which is a lot like cannot be hidden. Jumping yeah. down a little bit here. Yeah, dig through that because th- I think I think that's an important paragraph. Read, read through that because I think it really... Okay, I will. I'll yeah. go back there. Uh, no sooner does one come to Christ than there is born in his heart a desire to make known to others what a precious friend he has found in Jesus. The saving and sanctifying truth cannot be shut up in his heart. If we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ and are filled with the joy, that's mm-hmm. our word we've talked about already, of his indwelling spirit, we shall not be able to hold our peace. In other words, you can't shut up. Can't is what shut saying. Yep. Um, if we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we will have something to say. Yeah. Like Philip, when he found the Savior, we shall invite others into his presence. We shall seek to present to them the attractions of Christ, the unseen realities of the world to come. Hallelujah. 
And I love this sentence, by the way. This, this is there a... will be an intensity of desire to follow in the path that Jesus walked or trod. There will be an earnest longing that those around may behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. So this is yeah. all about what motivates and why does it motivate mm -hmm. and how does it motivate. It's not obligation. It's not primarily duty. It's not primarily responsibility. Yeah. It's joy. And when you get the fire of Jesus in your bone and in your belly... Yeah. You can't shut up. You can't keep quiet. It cannot be hidden. It cannot be shut up in the heart, in the soul. Yeah, the, the intensity of desire. Mm. So that is what the driving force is, which is why, you know, when Jesus says, come and take my yoke upon upon you, yeah. it's easy and it's light yeah. because it is carried with joy. And I, that's something that uh, I think is really powerful too, right? The, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's something you see coming up over and over and over in yeah. this chapter is they're strong. They're becoming stronger and they're filled with strength. And they're, uh, and so the what turns an arduous task into a joyful task is joy, right? I'm, I'm using the same word. No, I got you so far. Right? So the power to, to transform that experience is derived from that. Well, that shift from selfishness to love. And so, Which is a supernatural shift. Yeah, exactly. And so we can't generate that. In in no way is this being contrived. This is something that, that you're, if anything, you're trying to restrain it. <laughs> because it's going to make you look like a fool. That yeah. It's going to drive you to do things that you're, you're, if you're, if you shift onto the glory of man, you're going to look like an idiot. You're going to look like a fool it's because so you're going to be. you say that. You're going to be so filled with with compassion and joy and a desire to serve that you're going to do dumb things according to the the, the world's estimation. I I can't even keep this inside of me right now. Two things are coming to my mind. One thing is the apostles on the day of Pentecost when they were preaching when they figured out wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> Jesus is ascended our friend our traveling companion is at the right hand of God. They preached with such energy and enthusiasm that people were like these guys are drunk. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They looked like lunatics. They looked crazy. They looked insane yeah. because they were like, ah! and Paul makes that point in 2 Corinthians totally. 5. He's like, if we are beside ourselves, it is for your sake. Like, mm -hmm. I know sometimes in our preaching and in our energy and in our enthusiasm, we yeah. get a little carried away. But Jesus is awesome and he's at the right hand of God and we're all going to live forever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like, if, if I was really going to let myself go, then you would see how, how truly <laughs> this is restrained. right? Exactly. This is restrained. Exactly. Exactly. This is restrained. Okay, that's such a great Oof. point. Okay, all right. So we're doing our best to restrain ourselves here, <laughs> um, perhaps unsuccessfully. Okay, I love this next paragraph here, 106, 79 of the original. The effort to bless others will react in blessings upon ourselves. Yes. Okay, so this is Proverbs eleven twenty five. He that waters will be watered himself. Mm -hmm. One translation says, he that refreshes will be refreshed himself. Mm -hmm. Right? This was the purpose of God in giving mm -hmm. us a part to act in the plan of redemption. He has granted men the privilege of becoming partakers of the divine nature and in their turn, and I love this language, diffusing mm. blessings to their fellow men. This is the highest honor, the greatest, here's our word, joy that is possible for God to bestow upon men. Mm. Those who become thus become participants in labors of love are brought nearest to the creator. So, so think this through. God's mm. like, these people are made in my image. I want them to be maximally happy. How can I make these people made in my image? They bear my moral image, my physical image, my intellectual image. How can I make them maximally happy? And this is what he says. He says, I know what to do. I know exactly how to make them maximally happy. Because they're made in my image, 
acts of selfless service and being a blessing and benefit to others wow. will make them maximally happy because, watch this, that's what makes me maximally happy. Yeah, exactly. So so the, the yeah. temptation and the lie of the world is that mm. in selfishness is joy, in selfishness is pleasure. Mm -hmm. Have you seen these? Uh, they're actually kind of cool. And I, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a sucker for these things, but there are several Instagram accounts where people give, okay, like I, I follow a couple of these accounts and they'll go up to somebody and they'll say, we'll give you $100 right now cash, or we'll give you $500 to go give to random people in the store. Have you ever seen these? No. Everybody chooses the $500. In other words, they just go oh, up to people sure. like in a Walmart or oh, in a cool. you know some setting, a flea yeah. market or something, and they'll say, we'll give you 100 bucks. You can keep it yourself, walk away, and it's your money. Or we'll give you $500, but you have to give it all away. Nice. And everybody chooses, wow. well, I want to give the $500 away. And then this is the really cool thing. So that he gives the $500, usually five $100 bills, and they go wandering around the store, giving away money. The person that's getting the money is smiling. The person that's yeah. giving the money is smiling. The person that gave the money originally is smiling. And then when it's done, the person that gave the original $500 will usually say, and here's $500 for you. And this is actually a yes. really good depiction of the gospel, that there actually is greater joy in giving than in receiving. But in the giving away, right, just to sort of use the divine analogy here, they get as well. Beautiful. So God's like, man, I want to make these people maximally happy. How could we make them maximally happy? Is it lust? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it power? No, 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 no. Those will all give the illusion of joy. They'll give a little titillation. Oh, I know what will give them maximal happiness. Service. Selfless service. Just like me, God, the one in whose image they are made. Bam. That is super powerful. That's hot. Yeah, that's... And it's so true. I mean, the, the happiest moments of my life have always been in that one year. And I, I, maybe I've shared this story, but one year uh, my sister asked me, what do, you, what do I want for Christmas? And I thought about it for a while and thought, you know, actually everything that I need, I have. And so I said, <laughs> find somebody that doesn't have something and give it to them on my behalf. Yeah. And that was the most joyful Christmas that I had. I remember taking this box that she had given me and I traveled. Your sister's really told, cool. Yeah, she is. She's amazing. I, I might've told this story. I don't want to tell it again if I, if I have, but it was an amazing experience to, you know, so she wrapped up a dirty cup. Uh, in a in a box, and so I open it in front of strangers. <laughs> at my just what you wanted a dirty cup. <laughs> I pull it out, and I'm like digging through the box, being like, "What in the world?" There was a little note saying, "This represents clean water, you know, for a hundred people for a year in Africa." Oh, gotcha. And so this is what she had bought. Yeah, this is the representation, awesome. and, and it was just like, "Oh wow!" Because I deferred receiving the gift personally. A hundred people are being blessed with fresh water for a year. Okay, I'm going to use a trivial, a trivial yeah. analogy here, Nathan. I hope you don't mind. I'm going sure. to, I'm going to tell a story here on you. Yeah. Okay, so this is a little trivial, but it is nonetheless awesome. So Nathan and I, this last year in August, we spent some time with our friend Nathan, another friend Nathan, and our other friend Luke. And who am I forgetting here? Naomi and Jeremy. Jeremy. We went rock climbing in Wyoming, which Wyoming is my favorite state. Climbing is my favorite activity and hanging out with people. It was awesome. So because you can't climb hard every single day, we would normally climb fish, climb fly, so climb fly fish, climb fly fish, climb fly fish. And we would drive to this river and um, 
what, what ends up happening is this river that we fish, and don't ask me where it is because I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. But we catch lots of great fish in this river. We introduce Nathan to the secret. We said, Nathan, you're now initiated. You can't tell anybody about this river and our secrets. But here's the point. When you're fishing this river, because of the way the river is, you, it's really difficult for two people to be fishing at the same time. So it's always, it's Nathan's turn, then it's my turn. Then it's, and we did this a lot. That's we did this true. for days. Yeah, Nathan and then true. me, and then me and then Nathan, and Nathan and then me. And I will say this, a true story. Good, good, good illustration. It's a good illustration. It actually, this is a true story, Nathan, as God in heaven is my witness. It would bring me more joy mm. watching you catch those great, big, beautiful brown trout than it was if I would catch them myself. That is so true. It's I true. I remember that that very thing and, and that that tension that there was like, okay, whose turn? Whose is turn it is fish? it? But but it's kind of hard when there's two Christian fishermen because we're like, no, no, it's you go. No, 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 you go. No, 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 you go. And I'll tell you a quick story. I was super blessed by that. By the way, you you because he was coaching me from the sidelines. Right. Like, Cast right there. Okay, right there. And the enthusiasm. And the oh, dude. That you I'm like you go. Ah! It's like. That, that was really a, a testament to your uh, converted heart. Oh, uh, well, I'll tell you, yeah. one of the things, and this still, it's actually one of the first things I said to Nathan when he walked in the house tonight. So we had just made our way around this perfect little bend, and there's mm -hmm. all these giant boulders, boulders the size of houses, and the trout hide. And this, it's one of the most beautiful rivers in Wyoming. Again, don't ask me where it is, because you're not going to find <laughs> yeah. out. But anyway, we came upon this one large boulder, and Nathan walked out onto this giant boulder about the size of a garage, mm -hmm. right? And... He made this, this cast of his fly down into this little kind of a back eddy pool. I was standing right next to him. And the biggest trout of the whole trip, and we caught a lot of big trout on that trip. This would have been 7 to 10 pounds. This thing was enormous. Yeah. Came out, took Nathan's fly. In, in slow motion. In slow the motion. The whole thing happened in slow motion. And I'm like, Nathan! Those <laughs> And, and he fought it for a little while, and we were trying to figure out how we were ever going to get this fish because it was down in this, like, yeah. like this corridor. Anyway, the fish ended up breaking off, and it was always the one that got away, but this one was enormous. And the water was only about two feet deep. You could see how big the fish was. It was incredible. It was. But we talked about that, and I was, I was happier for you to have yeah. gotten that cast in that situation to catch that fish yeah. than I would have been for myself to do it. True story. That's awesome, David. Yeah. It just came to my mind. That, that's a great illustration. I didn't know where you were going with that. I thought you were going to tell about <laughs> swimming over in the dark and all of that. Oh. Yeah. No, that's better. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll tell that story another time. All I'm going to say, but all I'm going to say is Nathan is a, a man of God <laughs> because when this man, David Asher, I got to quickly tell this story very quickly. So the nature of this river, again, don't ask where it's from, is that you have to swim across it to get over to the other side to get to the, the water that's not as pressured, doesn't have as many people. So what we would do is we'd swim over in the morning. What's fine in the morning, the sun is out and it's great and it's in this really deep canyon and it's quite a fast-flowing river. Well, on the way back, you know, you fish, 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 fish all day. The sun is setting. And I'm like, Nathan, we need to get going. Nathan, we need to get going. Nathan, we need... Well, he's One a strong swimmer. Th this cast. guy's athletic. <laughs> I'm like, I'm an okay swimmer, but not a great swimmer. And and when I swim across the river, I can't have my glasses on. Right. So by the time we finally, Nathan, yeah. I had to pull him away <laughs> from the river, this guy. So we get down there and we've got to swim across this river. We've got all of our clothes and everything in garbage bags because you can't swim across with all your gear on. You just go right down the river because it's yeah. too hard to swim. And here's a true story. True story. I'm scared. Like, properly afraid. <laughs> and I'm like, Nathan, 
I'm afraid. And I can't see anything because it's it's dark now. Am I exaggerating? It's dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't yeah. see because I have my glasses on and I got to swim with this plastic bag and I'm not as strong a swimmer as Nathan and it's scary. The other Nathan. There's rapids. Yeah. Go ahead. What were you well, going to say? Well, the other Nathan is on the other side with a flashlight so that we can see the other shore, you know, I, kind of doing <laughs> I literally said to, to Nathan Cranston, I said, I would pay, do you remember yeah. me saying this? I would pay thousands of dollars yeah. to just right now magically be on the other side of this river. I'm so scared right yeah. now. But anyway, the point of all this is to say, Nathan, you were so calm and you're like, no, that'll be fine. I'll take your bag. He swam with my bag and his bag. And he swam below me in the river so that I could hear him. And I'm just I, like, I'm going to die swimming across this yeah, thing. Yeah. And point of clarification, I tried to swim beside you. <laughs> we were like, you were across in like five seconds. Fear. Fear. It was like I had a little five horsepower of fear driving me on. Anyway, the, the point is you are looking at a man of God right here. This man... <laughs> Oh, when I got to the other side, I was like one of those people that have just come off of a ship. I was like kissing the rocks. <laughs> I was like, dinner's on me. So I was, dude. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, back to the chapter. Anyways. Back to the chapter. Um, page 107, uh, 80 of the original. God might have committed the message of the gospel and all the work of loving ministry. Oh, I like that. Loving ministry mm. to the heavenly angels. Mm. He might have employed other means for the accomplishment of his purpose, but in his infinite love, he chose to make us co-workers with himself, with Christ, and the angels that we might share the blessing, the, the blessing. joy, yeah. the spiritual uplifting, which yeah. results from, here it is, unselfish ministry. Yeah. So this is a great point, and it's one of the major teachings yes. of Scripture mm -hmm. that God is a delegator, right? Mm -hmm. right? God gets everybody involved to do whatever they can do. In fact, I'm going to read the next... Uh, Nathan, can you read the next paragraph? And I'm going to sure. make a point about that. Yeah. We are brought into sympathy. We are brought into sympathy with Christ through the fellowship of his sufferings. Every act of self-sacrifice for the good of others strengthens the spirit of beneficence mm. in the giver's heart, allying him more closely to the Redeemer of the world, who was rich, yet for your sake has become poor, that you, through his poverty, might become Woo! rich. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. And it is only as we thus fulfill the divine purpose in our creation that life can be a blessing to us. Listen to that last sentence, you guys. Look, read it again. It is only as we thus fulfill the divine purpose in our creation that life can be a blessing to us. Okay, here's the point I want to make. Yep. I have said this before, and I stand by it, that, that in creation... As, as God is, you know, there in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And I think that what we find there is embryonically the way that God relates to human beings. And that is this. God only does what only God can do. If there's something else that can be done, that can be delegated, God says, you do it. Hmm. The things that God is doing in creation are things that only God can do. Right. right? Like we can't self-create. We can't make the sun, the moon, the stars, the water, the land. We can't fill the, we can't do all of that. Right. So God does all of that. But check this out. And, and here's a really cool little motif here that one of the great motifs in creation is that God is creating spaces, filling, create, fill, create, fill, create, fill, right? He creates the air, he creates the land, he creates the water, fills them all, creates yep. the Sabbath, fills it with himself. But then when God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, what does he say to them? Be fruitful and multiply and what? Fill the earth. Fill the earth. Now, this yeah. is what's so interesting. In other words, I'm a filler. 
This is what God, God's a filler. Mm -hmm. God creates spaces and then fills those spaces with his goodness, with his love, with his mm -hmm. mercy, with his creative power. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the Sabbath, he fills it with himself. And do you know what God says to them? Fill. He delegates it. Fill. Wow. Fill the earth. Mm -hmm. So, so, so God is a delegator mm -hmm. and God only does what only God can do. Everything that can be done by a creaturely force, whether, whether angelic or a human, mm -hmm. God says, no, you do it. No, no, you do it. No, no, you do it. And we might be saying, well, why is God lazy? God has the resources of omnipotence. He can do whatever he wants. Right. Why does God delegate? And here's her answer. Here's her answer. You ready? Okay. For our maximal joy. Mm -hmm. God delegates to us wow. service and love and ministry for our maximum joy because we are made in his image and it's what brings him maximum joy. And that's wow. what she meant all the way back, Nathan, and you pointed this out, when she says that this is the spirit that pervades heaven. Mm -hmm. So if you take a selfish, hard-hearted, pleasure-seeking person, uh, you know, pleasure-seeking in the selfish way, and you put them into that environment, they're going to say, literally, what the hell is this? Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, well, actually, this is heaven. Well, this isn't heaven to me. This is hell to me. Totally. Yep. Woo! And you can see that uh, in so much more clearly in this chapter is that, that really that selfish heart. And I, I could sense some twinges in my own heart of the, the selfishness that's still holding on. It's mm. like, wow. If I truly embrace this and lived every day in this kind of uh, benevolence, you know, that, that would be a game changer. And, totally. and there's those twinges of the, the flesh that are like, wait, wait, no, but what about... If you want to be happy, you have to try to be happy. Can <laughs> like, I use a, a good illustration here? So I've been doing, for like the last, it's almost two years now, mm. I've been taking cold showers. Mm, yep. You cold showers. That, actually. I, are you on to I've it? I've been doing okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and I usually take long cold showers. I'm up now to about six minutes. Wow. And I do cold plunges when they're available to me. Yep. So you want to know one of the reasons, I, and there are all of these benefits as to why you should take long cold showers, which I do. But you know one of the reasons I do it? And a lot of people that are into cold plunging, they say the same thing. I do it because my body doesn't want to do it. Rain in the flesh a little bit. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. I'm in control of my body. Yeah. I tell you what's Preach going it. to happen to you. Yep. And then in this really awesome paradox, yep. in you always, this is amazing. After you get out of that four, five, six minute cold shower, mm. do you know what? You feel amazing. Totally. So you don't want, so by way of analogy, mm. if I'm sometimes like, oh man, I really mm. don't want to go help this person move. I really don't want to help this person. You know, I'd rather go rock climbing than help this person clear, you know, clean out their garage. Yep. I rein in my flesh and I say, yep. we're going to do it on principle. And every time, Nathan, every time you have greater joy in doing the thing of service than in doing the thing that would have been more joyful to you. Absolutely agree with that. Phew. I think there's, so this is one of the thoughts. In fact, I wanted to to challenge you. Okay, bring invite it. invite you to. Uh, in summary, so as you kind of wrap this whole thing up, um, I was thinking, so we, we're doing Steps to Christ. And okay. as you say, Steps in Christ, Steps with Christ. But the uh, uh, it is kind of sequential, although not uh, strictly sequential. It's it's giving this kind of progression in the... Well, I like the, that. Good word. In your relationship with Christ, okay. in, in your transformation. Uh, th there's two other places in Scripture that I see a progression being uh, followed, and that is the book of Romans... Yeah, where there's this progression through salvation, mm -hmm. um, and then also there's this progression that Jesus shows in uh, in Matthew chapter five. So the B B attitudes, right? So there's oh this, yeah, yep, yep, yep. There's this sequential, not strictly so, but there is this kind yep. of flow of this is the, the B attitudes the in Matthew five yep. of your sanctification. So I, I, it would be really interesting to have you reflect on the entirety of this book 
the entirety of Romans and the entirety of the Beatitudes and to extrapolate a couple of um, patterns out mm. of that. And I'm, I'm just going to say that from my understanding of the gospel, you see a very clear pattern, yeah, very general but uh, uh, and basic clear pattern, which is that the basically it's always down to up. It's 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 never so Jesus or God, Satan's way is up to down, God's way is down to up. Mm. And the 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 farther and harder you go in the downward, is the the higher you go in the upward. That's Philippians two. Yeah, exactly right. And so um, I had as I was thinking through this, in as I was kind of reflecting on this this whole book, but uh, in in honor of your friend. Your friend Jed. Yeah, what a the, terrible the story. Yeah. yeah, but a absolutely. beautiful man of God. You would have loved him. Yeah, I, I wish I, I wish I had. I'll show and, you a picture of him afterward. He's a beautiful man. Awesome. I, I don't know if he was a, a, a half pipe kind he of. He was a street skater. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, I, the, the illustration I had was with that half pipe, which mm. is that you you only have as much height out of the, the half pipe as you have intensity in the plunge Going into. Down. Oh, that's a good illustration. And so the higher you, the, the more you press into humility, the more you press into selflessness, and the more you press into that confession of, of your weakness and your allow yourself to be plunged deep into hmm. the abyss, the higher you shoot out of the, the half pipe. That's a good illustration. Yeah. We've got a lot of good... We've got the cold shower illustration. We've got the fly fishing illustration, the swimming across the river <laughs> illustration. We've got the skateboarding illustration. I think it's re remarkable here, this last sentence. It says, and it is only. So this isn't just one of the ways to bliss. This right. isn't just one of the ways uh, uh, towards blessing. But it's actually the only way mm -hmm. that we uh, is in fulfilling the divine purpose. It is only as we thus fulfill mm -hmm. the divine purpose in our creation that life can be a blessing to us. Wow. The only way that life can be a blessing to us is if we follow this pattern of, of service. Down to up. Exactly. The next paragraph then, I just wrote in the margin, my own personal experience. Uh, this was my experience, and it's been the experience of many people that I know, and it really captures very well that sort of enthusiasm. You're on fire. You're energetic. Mm. You can't contain yourself. Mm -hmm. If you will go work as Christ intends, that his disciples shall work and win souls for him, you will feel the need of a deeper experience and will hunger and thirst after righteousness. You will plead with God and your faith will be strengthened and your soul will drink deeper drafts at the well of salvation. Encountering opposition and trials will drive you to the Bible and prayer. Yep, been there, done that. You will grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ and will develop a rich experience. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You get in over your head in ministry. I'm sure in China, I'm sure in India, I'm sure in South America, you had lots of opportunities to get in over your head. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, whoa, I think I might have bit off more than I can chew here, which mm -hmm. is the case. You have. Mm -hmm. But then God shows up. When you get yourself out at the extremity of what you're capable of doing, yeah. that's when God shows up. If we always stay well inside of our own abilities and our own comfort zone and our own safety, well, then what do we need God for? But God shows up when we've overextended ourselves. Mm. And like I said, I think maybe at the beginning of the Steps of Christ Challenge, a, a goal written down, a dream written down becomes a goal, right? You write down those dreams, they become goals. And if they feel a little too big, a little too much, a little too ambitious, well, that's when you need God to show up. My friend Ben Lundquist, he says things like, if your dreams are big enough that you could achieve them, they're not big enough. You want a dream that makes you 
require God's presence. And that's what she's driving at here. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Yeah. So as I read through this, the first time I read through it, I had a little bit of a, um, I don't know, like kind of an emotional whiplash happen, okay. happen right here. The, the language that is leading up to this is so um, abundant, right? So you're, you're, it's talking so much about this surplus, like this intense desire, this overflowing, this yep, can't yep, be yep, contained, yep. this, and it's, so it's, it's this just overflowing um, surplus of, of grace and truth. So there's a shift that, that takes place in this paragraph that starts now talking about um, need, right? So a need of a deeper experience. That's, oh, okay. So, so you're going from a, uh, an experience of surplus into an experience of want and of need, of not okay. having enough. Gotcha. Uh, yep. And and I was a little bit taken aback by it. I was well, I was kind of blissed out in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've in, used that phrase sur- twice now. Blissed out. I like that. <laughs> in the surplus, I was like, wow, oh, this is awesome. This is, then I started talking about need and thirst and hunger yeah. and trial and dry. You know, I'm like, oh man, what happened to that? That where'd the surplus go? <laughs> where'd the surplus go? And so I was actually struggling a little bit with that. Like, okay, so what is what? Why am I going from this place of surplus into this place of, of want or need? Mm. And the the answer to that is actually in these next paragraphs. So if you're ready, we can uh, dig dude into those dive in. Ones. Are you going to read the spirit of unselfish? Is that where you're at? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll Start reading. There. So the spirit of unselfish labor for uh, for others gives depth, stability, and Christ-like loveliness to the character, and brings peace and happiness to the possessor. The aspirations are elevated. There is no room for sloth or selfishness. Those who thus exercise the Christian grace will grow and will become strong to the work of God. They mm. will have clear spiritual perceptions, a steady growing faith, and an increasing power in prayer. Mm. The Spirit of God moving upon their spirit calls forth the sacred harmonies of the soul in answer to the divine touch. Those who thus devote themselves to unselfish effort for the good of others are most surely working out their own salvation. Mm. The, uh, the, the next paragraph, then, <clears throat> if, I, if I can, just I'll just dive in. It says, the only way to grow in grace. Will you pick it up? I'm going to. Yeah, the only way to grow in grace is to be disinterestedly doing the very work which Christ has enjoined upon us, to engage to the extent of our ability in helping and blessing those who need the help we can give them. Strength comes by exercise. Activity is the very condition of life. Those who endeavor to maintain Christian life by passively accepting the blessing that come through the means of grace and doing nothing for Christ are simply trying to live by eating without working. And in the spiritual, as in the natural world, this always results in degeneration and decay. A man who would refuse exercise to exercise his limbs would soon lose all the power to use them. Thus, the Christian who will not exercise his God-given powers not only fails to grow up into Christ, but he loses the strength that he already had. Okay, powerful. So using the analogy here of exercise. Yeah. Okay, what do you got for us? So that's what made it click in my mind. It's like, okay, why do we go from surplus to to want and, and and hunger and thirst? And it's a, the exact phenomenon we see when we exercise. And so when we, when we exercise arduously, what does that produce in us? Yeah. But a, a deeper, more intense thirst and hunger. And so the, the want, but, but that, uh, so the thirst and hunger makes uh, the, uh, the eating so much more enjoyable. Uh, okay. So the harder I'm in labor, uh, in in, uh, in the work and in the exercise, and I, I thought about Thanksgiving, for example, like <laughs> we usually play football, play ultimate frisbee, play some soccer. We're trying to get up the 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 
the the heights. <laughs> yeah, the appetite of our, of to our uh, appetite. Because yeah, you've just eaten four thousand calories. So yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> or you're going to eat four thousand calories. Uh, and in contrast to that, right when you travel like uh, for for days on end, and eating just becomes this like you. For me, at least, my my stomach turns into this knot, and, mm. and I'm like, oh, eating food becomes laborious. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the the uh, the image, I think she she does it perfectly here because she goes from this this surplus to want, and then back to surplus, and it's something that we see in our everyday life, which is when we work out hard, then we it develops a hunger, and then our appreciation and our experience of the food, which in this case would be our prayer, our time in God's word, yep, 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 our, yep, yep. our communion with the Father, that becomes so fulfilling and enriching. You need it. Whereas if you're not exercising, the food loses its relish. Good point. Well, that's a great point. Yeah, I like the, you saw something there that I didn't see, that transition from surplus to want, and then straight into the repeated, you know, analogy mm-hmm. of exercise. Yeah. And that's a great point, you know, that that if you're not getting adequate exercise, you don't have as much of an appetite. I mean, I remember back when I was doing a lot of marathon running and training, mm-hmm. I could not eat enough food <laughs> to maintain my body weight. I just was like, it was one of the great advantages of being, right? I was like into running and cycling for like seven years into running and seven years into cycling. And one of the upsides was I could just eat what I wanted, <laughs> when I wanted, it didn't matter. And because you were burning so many calories. Yeah. And you would get done from, you know, an exercise or a long ride, a hundred mile ride or something. And you'd just be like, you could just eat the whole refrigerator. Absolutely. Well, have you ever made the same meal that you made on a camping trip? A trip at home? <laughs> we Where always like, talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you're camping, you're like, this is the best food. <laughs> Violet and I talk about this all the time. We're like, it's such a thing. I've never had ramen <laughs> And then and you'll be like over the campfire, like, taste this, taste this ramen. And it's just like, and then you go home. And then you go home when you're in your bed and you've got a warm shower and whatever. And you yeah. try to eat that freeze-dried food that you eat when you're two weeks backpacking. And you're like, this stuff's not even edible. It's because you're working so hard up the mountain, that's down right. the valley, up the mountain, down that's the valley. Right. You've got, that's a great point. And so it just becomes, it, it accentuates the blessing. Great point. Because being... Being hungry is actually a, a nice experience when you're anticipating the next meal. And mm. so, so yeah, when you're, yeah, it's, it's a horrible thing when you're getting ready for Thanksgiving meal and you're like, I'm not hungry. This is, this is horrible. Yeah, all that food is there. Exercise. And yeah, exactly. By the way, notice the paragraph that we just read before that, back to that point about unselfish and selfish. She uses that phrase again. First sentence there, the spirit of unselfish labor. Just a couple mm. sentences later, there's no room for sloth or selfishness. And then the last sentence um, thus, uh, those who thus devote themselves to unselfish effort. So she's coming back to this point mm. of selfish versus unselfish, mm-hmm. by which she means service oriented primarily to others or pleasure oriented primarily to self. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, well, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He was primarily oriented outward, not only when the spotlight was on him in the last three years of his life, and of course on Calvary, but his whole life yeah. was a life of service, a life of blessing. And though he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, he was also a man of incredible joy. Beautiful. And that that joy and that happiness was the the uh, the the it was found in the service of others, the blessing of others, mm-hmm. and seeing others benefit. In the same way, you know, to go back to our illustrations earlier, there's literally more joy for me in mm-hmm. seeing Nathan succeed, for example, in that fishing trip yeah. than there was for me. I could have caught a 24-inch trout. I've caught lots of 24-inch trout. But when Nathan started catching big mm-hmm. fish, it was like, 
it just was more, it, I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't make sense. But I receive more joy in your experience, especially since I was sort of helping you and coaching you and guiding you. Mm-hmm. It made it better. Absolutely. And that's such a thing with, with our Christian walk as well, to experience the gospel. I, I studied with somebody uh, last year coming out of uh, drugs and, and everything to watch him experience the gospel, experience peace. So here's somebody coming off of drugs. Mm. We, I, I led him in the, the sinner's prayer. And uh, it was just totally silent for a, a number of minutes afterwards. And I'm kind of looking up at him and going back and then looking up. Okay. And going back. I, guess we're still, I guess we're still praying. <laughs> he, yep. was, he was, so he finally, when he found words, he said, I have never experienced such joy. I've never experienced anything like that before. Whoa. <clears throat> and the whole point of drugs is supposed to be that they're that so the much height, the of, high and the yeah. joy and the... <clears throat> He but, said, I don't know how to put it into words. I've just experienced the greatest high that I've ever. And this is somebody that has literally been on drugs for 20 years. And uh, whoa, thank you, Jesus. And to get to experience thank that you, vicariously Jesus. through him, to see the joy and peace on, in his complexion was was so rewarding. Nathan, I'm going to sort of summarize the next several paragraphs. You can read anything you want to read, but I'm just going to kind of summarize, and yeah. I want to ask your question about uh, your opinion about something. Let, let me just share real quick on this. Yeah, yeah, do your thing. It just says, the only way to grow in grace is to be disinterestedly doing the work which Christ has enjoined upon us. I just thought that was interesting. There's a couple of places she says only. Yeah, only and, is a crucial word there. And so it's, yeah. It's the only way to go. And when she, to be clear, when she says disinterestedly, she means with no agenda. Mm-hmm. That's what she means. In other words, yep. she's yep. not saying that you're not interested not in the person you're helping. That, that's the point. Like she will sometimes talk about like disinterested benevolence, but that's old school writing. And words, of course, are fluid and, and words change meaning. Mm-hmm. So just to be clear, when she says the only way to grow in grace is to be disinterestedly doing the work, the very work which Christ has enjoined upon us, that doesn't mean Good that you're point. not friendly, that you're not kind, <laughs> that you're not interested in the person you're helping. What she's saying is you're doing so indiscriminately like the sun. right? Mm-hmm. This is the point that Jesus makes. The sun mm-hmm. shines indiscriminately. The rain falls indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. In other words, we don't say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a blessing to this person because I think there's some economic mm-hmm. transaction that will flow back my way. No, 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 no. If the rich, I'm going to be a blessing. The middle class, I'm going to be a blessing. The poor, I'm going to be a blessing. I'm just going to be a blessing to people like the sun shines, the rain falls. That's what she means by disinterestedly. Okay, so now what I'm going to do is she kind of quotes Romans 114, um, where she says, you know, we're a debtor to everybody, mm-hmm. which is Paul's point there in Romans 114. And I'm going to compress several paragraphs here. And yeah, she starts basically saying this. We don't have to go into what she calls the heathen lands, which is like the we don't have to go to the far-flung corners of the earth in order to be a missionary. She says that there are certainly people that are called to go to those places and need to go to those places, and, and the gospel does need to go to these places. But she says, she actually uses the illustration of a mechanic, you know, a common laborer. She uses the illustration, as we've already talked about, with Jesus in the carpenter shop. I know, Nathan, your, your parents are two of the most beautiful people I've ever met, and they're farmers, is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Your, your dad is a farmer, like kind of orchard. They have an orchard as well. and mm-hmm. Orchard garden. So I know that this is a real passion of yours. Both of these are a real passion of yours. Sort of what we might call vocational missionary work, mm-hmm. i.e. whatever your work that you do, mm-hmm. you see that as a point of access to people, mm-hmm. but then also actually missionary work, mm-hmm. going out to those far-flung corners of the earth and being a missionary. I actually have a new climbing friend you've got to meet. I just met him. He is a, a, a Bible translator 
and is like going into the the jungles of Peru and has some other things that he's really passionate about. And he is just so burdened with people who are unreached. Mm. I'll have to introduce you, introduce oh, you to him. His name is Mike. Great guy. I met him climbing. Beautiful. Anyway, so Nathan, can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Like, not everybody's called to go to the far-flung corners of the earth, but we are all called to be missionaries mm. in our sphere, in our situation, in our vocation. As somebody who's been a missionary in both senses of the word, a vocational missionary and far-flung corners of the earth, talk to us a little bit about that. Like, how do you, how are you a missionary in your vocation? What does that look like? Yeah. And is it any less valuable or meaningful than being a missionary in some corner of the globe? Yeah, uh, it's a really interesting point. And one of the things that I learned <clears throat> in doing missionary work is that it's not the, the place or the work that creates the experience. It's the connection to heaven. Uh, I think sometimes we read the, uh, the story, missionary stories, and we think, man, if I was just in the jungles of whatever... Yeah. island, then I would have this powerful experience with God and I would be converting the, the, the thousands. Um, I forget who it was. Was it Mark Finley or something that met somebody on the uh, on an airplane going to be a missionary? And he said, uh, my friend, how many have you converted in yeah. the United States? <laughs> and he said, uh, none. Well, none. <laughs> <laughs> well, none. He said, well, then go back to the United States. Right? Yeah. I, I heard Finley say years ago, and I've, I've sort of paraphrased it, you know, everybody wants to be a missionary where they aren't. Right? Right? <laughs> How about we work on being missionaries where we are? And so, and those yeah. are the kinds of people that can then go on. By the way, Preach Jesus it. here is an illustration of this. Because Jesus was a missionary in the carpenter shop. Mm -hmm. He was a missionary when the spotlight wasn't on him. Day-to-day -day interactions, mm -hmm. building tables, building houses, whatever the things that he was doing as a carpenter. Mm -hmm. So then when he became Messiah, Rabbi, Teacher, Savior, mm -hmm. and I'm talking vocationally now, of course, yeah. all he was always the Savior, but... But that was only an extension of literally three decades of being a missionary in the ordinary walks of life. And that's the point she makes. It, exactly right. Yeah, so that was really my experience. And it's, it's maybe not as glowing as a, a missionary experience as, as many, right? Because what I found was that I was just as broken and just as whatever. Like I brought me with me wherever I went. Wherever you go, there you and are. It, and, it, and so I realized that uh, the real true conversion and... My, my year in China was more about me learning that I was nothing than it was about me evangelizing mm. China. I came back and I was a very humbled pastor. I started pastoral work in a very broken, very humble, very meek place. And I think it was providential. I think it was God's leading. But it wasn't what I pictured. I pictured yeah. converting all of China, right? But you're like, hey, now, China, watch out. Nathan Cranson is here. Right? 1.2 billion people. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I what gotcha. I found was that that really this is the most powerful, um, you know, transformation is taking place. You had a Wesley experience. God converted you. Mm, you you went yep. to convert others, and God converted you in the process. Well said. That's exactly right. I came back from that realizing Wow, that, that the work is here more than it is uh, outside. Once it starts happening here, then wherever you are, it becomes your natural outflow. And the, this last paragraph, I okay. think, is what, what really captures this idea. 
What, uh, what paragraph? Let me, let me share. I think it's the, the very last okay. chapter. Okay. You oh, you're there. not there yet. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. I'm just going to share a quick story. Okay. Here. Let me hear it. Um, Pavel Goya. So if you're not familiar with any of his yep. stories and things like that, powerful, you know, uh, one miracle after another. Prayer warrior. A powerful prayer warrior. Um, he has uh, led several people into uh, into ministry, but what he has always led them to do is say, hey, start taking time every single day to pray mm. that uh, for the Lord's will to be accomplished in that day. We talked about that yesterday. Okay, nice. Yeah, I didn't get to listen to this the, whole, day. the whole session. Yeah. yeah, this day. So start start being faithful in that which is little. Start showing up and being obedient in the small areas. So that could be in the home, in the church, in the community. Uh, start being, start tuning in to the frequency of heaven so that when God prompts, when God leads, when God shows you how to, to bless the community members there, then you're, then you're ready. And the, the story goes with several of these people is that they spend about two years uh, walking out that experience, mm. being very, and it's it's very obscure, it's very, um, you know, small things here and there. And that experience leads into then God saying, okay, you've been faithful in that, which is least, I will now make you faithful. Now this. Is, you know, and they, so these people are then led to open up orphanages in Africa and to do amazing uh, works of faith because they chose every day to, to wake up and say, God, what is what your about will today? For me today? today? How can I today. be a missionary right here, right now, today? So that's now that that's beautiful. Speaks deeply to me. That that's actually fairly consistent with my own autobiographical experience, right? Like I was just given the opportunity to take a Sabbath school in a local church after mm. my conversion, and people are like, "Hey, will you teach this Sabbath school?" I was like, "I don't know." Okay, wow. I was a brand new believer. Yeah. And then, hey, would you preach a sermon? Sure, I'll, I'll do that. And then, will you preach in this little country church? Yes. yes. Will you hold an evangelistic meeting in this little uh, country church? Yep. And never, I can I can say, as yep. God in heaven is my witness, never once in those formative years, the first mm. several years of my ministry, mm. did I think, you know what this is? This mm. is the path. <laughs> this is the path to totally. a, a large, totally. expansive, influential preaching ministry. Never. I mean, I was still on a break from going back to, I thought, back to finish up pre-med, and then mm -hmm. go on to study mm -hmm. medicine. So, so the point was, yeah. I was just doing what was open to me. Yeah, hey, yeah. will you teach this Sabbath school class? Hey, would you give a Bible study to my small group? Would you? Little things and little things. And then those little things became larger things, and then larger things, and then larger things. And then when the opportunity came to hold a large evangelistic meeting in Apopka, Florida, this is like back in 1997, mm -hmm. um, I was like, from 98 maybe, I said, Sure, that was amazing. It was the second, third, third ever evangelistic meeting I preached. So I preached in these tiny little rural churches in Northern California, went and preached this meeting in Apopka, Florida, and like 200 people were baptized. And people were like, who is this? I was 27 years old. I was 27 years old. People were like, who is this fast-talking person? And it was not David Ashrick, and it wasn't even our Bible team, Nathan Renner and a bunch of other great people. It was the Spirit of God. We were on fire. We were young. We refuse to be stopped. It could mm. not be hidden. Yeah, and yeah. so this is an illustration of how just a yeah. little bit, and then that made room for a little. The gospel makes room for itself, man. It. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Mm. If you begin with the end in mind, with this big ambition, I'm going to, well, she actually. this is actually the point she makes in the last paragraph. Yeah, I love this about last paragraph. About don't wait around mm -hmm. for some big thing. Okay, you read the last paragraph, and then I want to. I've got a, a verse from a hymn I want to read, and then we'll do the rubric. Beautiful. Okay, go. 
since the humblest and poorest of the disciples of Jesus can be a blessing to others. They may not realize that they are doing any special good, but by their unconscious influence, they may start waves of blessing that will widen and deepen, mm. and the blessed results uh, they may never know until the day of final reward. Whew. They do not feel or know that they are doing anything great. Wow. They are not required to weary themselves. This is the best sentence in the whole <laughs> chapter, by the way. <laughs> Read this again. This, this is the best sentence in the whole chapter. <laughs> yes. They are not required to weary themselves with anxiety about success. Thank the Lord Jesus that Christ. Is, seriously, that is such a soothing, Dude. beautiful, comforting particularly being in the ministry. <laughs> and the way she yeah. says it is so awesome. They are not required mm. to weary themselves with anxiety about success. Oh, come on and, now. And so this, and, and we skipped over the paragraph, which is, is a tragedy, but we did Are you talking about it. the one just before this? Well, it's the one where it talks about Jesus being living in obscurity, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But this, this is how Jesus lived the first 30 years of his life was not worrying about success, was not worrying Correct. about how far-reaching his influence was. He was just savoring the moment. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, watching the, the small smile and the, the blessing there. And Thank I, you. I, your, your testimony uh, inspired, just to share real briefly here, what brought me into the ministry was I, I just fell in love with preaching. Mm. I, I realized after about four or five years of preaching that it was the single most enjoyable thing that I and you're and, he, and he's a very good preacher by the way. Oh, good gracious! And it and so after about five years of uh, I was an, a, a local elder at my my big church of like fifteen people and uh, uh, so I went to my pastor and I said, "How do I preach more?" And I wasn't thinking <laughs> becoming a pastor. I wasn't thinking go to school. I, I just want to I just want to tell people about was, Jesus. How do I do this more? Really, I was trying to hint at him, like, can you preach less and I preach more? <laughs> like, is there a way we can work something out? Maybe give me one of your an arrangement. <laughs> but he said, well, then go to school. So I, I did. And, and but the the whole drive behind that has simply been that I I derive no greater pleasure than from preaching the word of God. Hallelujah, brother. I'm going to finish that paragraph. Yeah, they have only to go forward quietly, doing faithfully the work that God's providence assigns. There we go. And their life will not be in vain. Their own souls will be growing more and more into the likeness of Christ. They are workers together with God in this life and thus are fitting for the higher work. And I love this. And the unshadowed joy of life, of the life to come. So she opens with joy and she closes with joy. That's exactly the, whole, the whole chapter mm -hmm. is wrapped between these bookmarks of joy I'm going to actually circle back and read the second to the last paragraph. I'm yeah, sorry, I got to no, do it. please do. Second to the last paragraph. You are not to wait mm. for great occasions mm. or to expect extraordinary abilities before you go to work for God. You need not have a thought of what the world will think of you. We talked about that earlier. If your daily life is a testimony to the purity and sincerity of your faith and others are convinced that you desire to benefit them, your efforts will not be wholly lost. Okay, listen to this great line from one of my favorite hymns, In the Heart of Jesus. And this is verse 3. In the field of Jesus there is work for you, such as even angels might rejoice to do. Why stand idly, sighing, waiting for some life work grand, while the field of Jesus waits your reaping hand? Wow. Why are we waiting for some big thing? Do the small thing 
and the gospel will make room for itself. The call of God will make room for itself. And not everybody's called to the same vocation. Not everybody's called to the same thing. But all of us are called in our own sphere, in our own circumstance, in our own situation to not wait around to do the big thing, to just be faithful in the little thing and then let God providentially open his doors. You ready for the rubric? Absolutely. Okay, Nathan, what was the point of this chapter for you? Yeah, I put in uh, what flows in flows out, and what flows out is replenished with even a, a greater amount. Well, you, you went and got all poetic. Read it again. <laughs> it is a little... <laughs> I love it. I was, <laughs> read it again. What flows in flows out, and what flows out is replenished with an even greater amount. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> God bless you. And then you put there, it washes out the silt. Yeah. You didn't even read that part. Well, well, this was just an illustration that came to my mind. It's like when when a, for example, the, the Paonia Dam is being filled with silt. Like we've, we've got a dam. It's Paonia is the, uh, yeah. a town where, over where on the up. western slope yeah. where, he, where he grew up. It is literally filling with silt. So there's less and less room for water. And what is needing is a strong flood, right, to, to wash and so as the, the flowing happens in our life... It gets the silt out. It gets the silt out. It makes more room for, oh. for the grace. Come on now. <laughs> I don't think mine's as good. If it's not as good, I'm not going to read it. Um, oh, mine's okay. Mine's okay. Right. It's not nearly as poetic and beautiful as yours. I just put that a life of selfless service, co-laboring with God, is a life of true joy. Love that's it. the punchline, right? Love like, that's her point. You want to be maximally happy. You want to be maximally joyful. Live like Jesus. How did Jesus live? A life of selfless service to others. But I I like the way you put it a little better. Okay. I I love you captured the joy element. The joy element. Absolutely. The the purpose, Nathan. uh, Excuse me, the person. What do we learn about God in this chapter? So I took this from the first paragraph, and it is that God is the source of life, light, and joy. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, very good. I put that God is a delegator. Mm. That God delegates everything that can mm. be done by others, God has others do. God only does what only God can do. Mm. And everything, and I love that filling. God turned Adam and Eve into fillers. He said, I'm a filler, you fill. Beautiful. Right? You're made in my image, and God delegates. And we, as pastors and as ministers, we want to delegate. Mm. Get others to be doing a work that you might be able to do a little better. You've given more Bible studies, you've preached more, you've mm. spent years in, in seminary, but... It's in the empowering of others that the greatest joy is found. And ultimately, a church of a hundred can do more than a pastor of one. Yeah, amen. Bottom line. Um, How do we pray this chapter? My prayer is very simple. Uh, God, fill me so I can fill others. Ooh. Yes, thank you. Father, teach me more and more what true joy looks like. I just went back to the joy thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially back to the cold shower thing, too. And and I saw some Victor Mills on there was like, no, I'll stick to the warm showers. Brother, I'm calling you to repentance. I don't know if you're still on here, but if you're on here, I'm calling you to repentance. Here's the thing. You have never in your life met a person that's a bigger wuss about cold than me. Mm -hmm. You never have. But about two years ago, I started finishing all of my hot showers with just... 10 seconds of cold, 20 seconds of cold. And then... Somebody's saying no showers. Yeah, well, no, no, you got to shower. You got to shower. I'm not calling you to no showers. Here's Victor. LOL, I accept the rebuke. Okay, accept it. Brother, 10 seconds of cold at the end of your shower. Then let it become 20 seconds. Then let it become 30 seconds. And I'm going to tell you something. This is actually going to happen to you. 
Not every day, but on many days, you will actually find yourself enjoying the cold. I mean, you were with us. Oh, man. Okay, so I can bear witness to okay, the, tell the, the story. This. No, honestly. So we, we finished our day of rock climbing. He says, hey, you want to hop into the, the freezing cold creek? The <laughs> creek that flows right by our... This is at like so 10,000 like, feet right, in the, Wyoming, the mountains of yeah, Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm game, right? Let's do this. So we, 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 we go, we, we get into our skivvies, right? And we, we go into this underwear. Yeah. We go into the, the frigid water and I dip down and I'm, I'm in, you know, total concentration mode trying to survive. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely painful. Just experience. It's like low forties, high thirties. So, and I have, a, I have a high, high pain tolerance. Like I, I, I do pain, but I am just gritting my teeth. I, I make make it sixty seconds, and I'm really proud of myself. I jump out. That was that was really good. <laughs> I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> David is just chilling in this frigid water for like what was ten it? minutes? It was ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, then you dropped your phone in the water, and we weren't sure how long it was. Yeah. Remember, you couldn't find your phone. Yeah, totally. But yeah. it was like ten minutes. But the point was, the only reason so, I could do that was, yeah, I had acclimated myself. And and here's the point. This is where I'm going with this, friends. Well, here's what I put. Father, teach me more and more, more and more what true joy looks like. Mm-hmm. Take opportunities. Mm-hmm. This is, by the way, I, I, this is just coming to me right at the end here. This is one of the reasons we fast, mm-hmm. right? We 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 tell our body, mm-hmm. "You're not in control. I'm in charge." Mm-hmm. Right? That's what you do with cold showers. It's what you do with fasting, but it's also Preach. what we do with service because the temptation will be, "Ah, do I want to go do this thing? It's going to be really fun for me, or do I want to go do this act of service?" Mm-hmm. And when you challenge the flesh and say, "No." We're going to do the thing that Jesus would do. We're going to do the, we're going to make our flesh submit. An amazing thing happens. Just as with cold plunges and fasting, there are actual health benefits. Mm -hmm. You will find that your spiritual journey will be energized by choosing the thing that seems to be less pleasurable, but actually, in the final analysis, is very pleasurable. Well said. Come on now. Okay. How do we practice this chapter? Okay, let's see. Practice. Um, <clears throat> eat God. Uh, eat God's words. Drink God's presence. Do God's work. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yesterday we saw that Jesus was the air, the sunshine, and the food. Mm-hmm. So that's all good. I put here um, page one eleven. You are not to wait for what I just read. You are not to wait for great occasions or expect extraordinary mm-hmm. abilities before you go work for God. Here's what I wrote. Here's what I wrote down. Do the ordinary. Mm. That's it. That's how you practice this chapter. Do the ordinary. Whatever the ordinary is in your situation, in your context, do the ordinary thing, and then God will make room for the extraordinary. Do the ordinary. Mm. Faithfully, with God in mind, in acts of service, Beautiful. let God elevate and escalate to extraordinary, but you do the ordinary. Um, oh promise. God. Nathan, what's God's promise to you in this chapter? Life will be a blessing to us. It will uh, be full of joy. A life full of joy. He went back to joy. Yep. I put Christ in me cannot be hidden. Mm. And, and by the way, by the way, did yeah. you guys pick this up? We talked about this when Ty Gibson was here. Go back to that last paragraph. Did you notice the paradox that we've talked about? One of the paradoxes, I don't know if you've heard this section, mm. session where we talked about how you're growing in Christ. Internally, you might not sense it because mm-hmm. the closer we come to Jesus, the more sinful, faulty, and defective we see ourselves in our own eyes. Yeah. But I don't have access to your inner dialogue, and I see you mm-hmm. growing in Christ. And I'm like, man, the Lord Jesus has put his spirit mm-hmm. upon and within Nathan. You do not perceive 
But I perceive, wow. now listen to this, wow. with that in mind, listen to this. The humblest and poorest of the disciples of Jesus, last paragraph, mm. can be a blessing. They may not realize that they are doing any special good, yeah. but by their unconscious influence. What does unconscious influence mean? They don't, they're unaware of it. Mm -hmm. They may start waves of blessing that will widen and deepen, and the blessed results they may never know until the day of the final reward. They do not feel or know that they are doing anything great. So, so for yeah. me, the promise here is that if we just do the ordinary thing, eventually Christ in me will not be able to be hidden from those around me. And it will not be the influence of David wow, Ashrick or of Nathan Cranston. It will be the influence of Christ mm -hmm. working in us and through us. I want to give a shout out to Allison, who draws the beautiful pictures that I put up on my story basically every day. And if I'm not mistaken, Allison, your word today was ripple. Mm. The idea that we it starts mm. small and then that ripple grows nice. into, as she says, their waves. Nice. Which brings us to the yeah. question of word. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what everybody's word was. Slide that over here, Nathan, a little sure. bit, just so I can see it a little closer. Okay. So let's see. Okay, I was right. Allison says that was my word. Excellent. And by the way, yeah, that's a great word. I love the picture of the bird. You know, I'm a big birder. It looks like a stilt, actually. Um, the bird that you drew. Okay, what do we got? Flow. No the, the that's your word, flow. That's my word. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Flow. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Um, joy, desire, bless. Allison says ripple. Yeah, I like that one. Light. Blessing. Maria says, or Marion, excuse me, says blessing. Bursting. Nice. Oh, that's hot because she talks yeah. about it's bursting forth. Nice. Um, blessing, another flow. Sylvia says flow. Yep. You know who Sylvia is? She's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bless, shower, serve. Mm. Wesley says, ripples become waves. There are no small acts of obedience. Megan says, desire. Yeah, that's a yeah, good one Yeah, that's a very good yep. one. Fragrance. Ooh. Oh, yeah, one, so one many good words. Light yeah. diffusing. I'm so glad somebody out to mm -hmm. chat says fuse, diffusing. Service. I'm glad somebody did that. Yeah, I thought about that one too. Cassandra says privilege. Yeah. Service. Ministry. Ministry. Overflow. Yeah, I like that. Overflow is very good. Yeah. That's kind of your thing. Mm -hmm. Victor waves. Provide. Blessing. Ooh, conduit, says Christy Michelle. Nice. I like I that. I actually considered that one. Unconscious. Called. Give. Selfless. Diffuse. Nice. Another diffuse. Yeah. Joy. Partaker. Partaker. Agency. Yeah, that's good, too. By the way, my word was joy. The chapter opens with joy. It yeah. closes with joy. To me, this is a chapter about joy. It was all through it, yeah. Uh, Karen yeah. says, is your word hidden? No, but that could be. Uh, but I went with the word joy. I just thought that's how it opens. That's how it closes. She talks about it all throughout. And a lot of synonyms for joy. Happiness, bliss. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. That, that was very pervasive. Gabby Abby says, influence, co-workers, Christ-like. Exercise. Oh, very good. Mm -hmm. Reflect, love, service. Honored. Honored. That's Magnitude. good. Wait, I must have missed that one. Jamie says, joy. Victor's on here still complaining about these showers. Nah, because David challenged me to a cold... Dude, Victor, to be clear, I didn't challenge you to a cold shower. I want a year of cold showers, starting with 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and in a year, you're going to tell me, man, I'm taking six-minute cold showers, and, and they feel the amazing. Plunge, yeah. And then you get in the plunge. <clears throat> Let's see, Bernice upstairs says, partaker's great word. Mm. <laughs> a lot of people laughing at Victor here. Um, uplifting... Somebody says water heater. Oh man, we're right on the we're right on the cold plunges here. <laughs> service, service, restraint, servant. Yeah, excellent. Nice. Victor, you have been challenged. The word of the Lord to you, brother. 
All of you have been challenged. I want all of you to start taking cold showers. And I highly, highly recommend it. Rain in the flesh. Tell your body that you're in charge. And it's it's a real thing. Like embracing discomfort becomes more palatable because of the cold showers. It's an amazing thing. It's true. Let me just share this real quick. I geeked out a little bit on on my word. So flow. And in fact, I'm trying to remember. I think I had this talk with you. You were reading a, a book and you were sharing about this. So Okay. So I looked up flow online because I thought I've been I've heard this as like a psychological term. And it, it literally means so this psychological term means uh, so flow is the melting together of action and consciousness. Oh, just like when they talk about flow states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So here we're talking about action. We're talking about work. We're talking about, uh, you know, working out your salvation. So flow is when you're melting together action with consciousness. And so uh, what we've been talking a lot about in this the Steps to Christ journey, or you, you guys have been covering, is this uh, becoming conscious of the love, of the grace, of the character, of the nature of God. Mm. Now meld that, melt that together yeah. with action, and you get flow, which is what we see in this chapter, is that that you, you get in the zone is another way that they put it. But so, yeah, it says... Um, uh, continuing on, it says the state of finding a balance between a skill and how challenging that task is. And so, yeah, it's where your your best skill matches something that demands the best of your skill. And one of the reasons that rock climbing is so enjoyable is because you, you can reach and you can tap into that experience of flow where you are maximally concentrated and using every bit of your, your skill in order to perform the actions or the duties. And how beautiful that is when we we have that experience in the work of Christ, when we are fully engaged, mm. fully mustering every bit that we are, bringing all that we are so that Jesus can meet us with everything that he is. Woo! And when we have that experience of flow, of, of being in the zone, and that I think that's why I, rock climbing and preaching are like my two favorite things is because that's the two places that I experience that flow state, that place of flow. Yeah. That flow state. Man, I'm, I'm you're almost convincing me. I'm going to reread the chapter. It's an, it's possible that I'm going to change my word to flow. I haven't written it down yet. I always write it on page one or on the, you know, right here. I always write it. I'll show you, write it right there, but that's blank. And I'm actually kind of convinced about the flow. I'm going to go back and reread it with flow in mind. Um, I will notify you further about my word. I, it's my placeholder word is joy, but it's possible I'm I'm gonna go back and read that because I love the idea of of it really does capture the idea that that Christ flows into us mm-hmm. and then out of us. Mm-hmm. This it gets rid of the silt. Yep. I love that illustration, yep. and that what comes out of us it still retains Nathan's personality, David's mm-hmm. personality is still retained. But it's Christ in us. It cannot be hidden. It cannot be contained. It flows through us so that we become one of the words tonight was conduit. Yeah, I, I consider that word too. I'm gonna. I'm. Yeah. I'm giving this some serious thought. I. I may. I may change my mind. I hope you guys enjoyed that, Nathan. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Hey, that that went yeah. to places I didn't expect it to go. I didn't expect <laughs> it to be talking about Wyoming and fly fishing and rock climbing and cold plunging. <laughs> right. But you never know. Yeah. It's unscripted. You never know how it's gonna go. Exactly. Um, Nathan, thank you for coming. God bless you all for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. Now, tomorrow night, we have no guest. But then on Thursday night, we have the mystery, mystery guest. I'll talk to you more about that guest tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. But we'll be back tomorrow for Chapter 10. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Nathan, thank you for coming and joining us. 
blessings to you and Michelle and little Rodney and any future babies that may be coming. And um, I'm looking forward to, can you come back to Wyoming with us this year again, hopefully? I hope. We'll see. Uh, again, probably something I shouldn't be talking about because... You haven't talked to your wife yet. I talked to my wife. Michelle, I'm asking him if he can come to Wyoming again. Please, let him come and play. We need to go catch that fish that got away. Exactly. All right, let me, uh, I think you opened, yeah? Yeah. Okay, let me close with prayer. Father in heaven, we love you so much, and we know that's not the big story. The big story is that you love us. And Father, this flow state, I really like that idea, Father, that mm. when we are in harmony with you, in harmony with your spirit, when we're indwelt by the living Christ, mm. that we can focus on something so that there's this melding together of action and consciousness, and we're just doing naturally, natively, easily, deftly, something that that we need you to do in us and through us. And, mm. and Father, that's a cool way to think about service and ministry. I want to pray for every person that's listening in, Lord, whatever their circumstances, whatever their situation, I pray that they would find that flow state in Christ, that Jesus would be flowing into them by his Amen. spirit, by his grace, by his mercy, by his love, and then flowing out, Father, first in the ordinary, in the small, in the mm. trivial and seemingly menial, but then, Father, the gospel makes room for itself. And before you know it, bigger opportunities, bigger responsibilities. And so, Father, grow us, grow our influence, not for our sake, not for our kingdom's sake, not for our empire's sake. Father, we don't want a kingdom. We don't want an empire. Mm. We want to be part of your kingdom. And so, Father, grow your kingdom through us is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.